from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios here on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. You can listen in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora weekly by going to mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, and you can watch weekly by going to Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash livenowdt. And with that being said, inside of What's Poppin', proudly brought to you by Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, who you just heard of and heard from in this fast break, we are going to our first conversation of the day, and that's a live conversation with Michael Lasker of Syracuse Orange Football History. Michael Lasker Jr., somebody who played on the offensive line at Syracuse within these last few seasons, and he is here with us today to speak on the state of the team, what he's seeing from the offensive line, and so much more. So with that being said, let's bring him in. Michael, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, I'm a big listener. Uh, always enjoy listening to you every morning. Uh, again, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man, and uh, I can't thank you enough for that. I mean, this is, you know, you, you know I care about this team. The team knows that I care, and, you know, I always want to see you guys successful and, and doing well, and, you know, after watching you and, and seeing you guys out there and doing your thing, it, it means the world to me that, you know, somehow, some way, by the grace of God, that you guys, you know, wake up in the morning and, and listen to the show. So I really do appreciate those kind words. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem at all. So with that being said, Michael's with us here this morning, and we are speaking on Syracuse football. Obviously, that we're on the heels of a, a tough weekend, a weekend where I feel that Clemson didn't beat Syracuse as much as Syracuse beat themselves. Michael, to kind of start there, do you feel that way as well? Do you feel that you know this was a game of missed opportunity for Syracuse? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you when you when you watch the game, you know, I watched, I rewatched the game, you know, uh, yesterday. And a lot, there was just a lot of missed opportunities that were left in the field. You know, a lot of points. You know, a lot of you know opportunities to you know get some points on the board um, in the in the end, on the goal line. So I, I mean, I think that the defense played lights out. They're there. They played as good as they could possibly play. You know, and like I said, I think it just came down to a, just a lot of you know mix miss execution. And uh, like I said, I don't think so much Syracuse beat Clemson. I kind of think that. Uh, I don't think Clemson beat Syracuse. I think that uh, you know Syracuse really just shot themselves in the foot and beat themselves in this uh, game. And, and when you see something like that, I mean, you talk about how well the defense played. Syracuse had back-to-back interceptions on Trevor Lawrence. This is a guy who you know everybody speaks on how great he is, how amazing he is. He was the top quarterback recruit. He was by some people the top recruit of his class. He comes in as a true freshman, wins a national championship. Everybody's already talking about him in the NFL and whatnot. But he had inter- he had three interceptions and two touchdowns in the first couple weeks coming into this game. And Syracuse turned him over twice on back-to-back drives. 
Chris Frederick grabbing one, Trill Williams grabbing the other, but Syracuse came up with no points despite being on the Clemson nine-yard line and the three-yard line. How frustrating was that for you to see as a, a former Syracuse player that the defense created these opportunities and made Trevor Lawrence, who you know not a, not a lot of people think he can bleed, Syracuse made him bleed a little bit, but didn't come away with anything on those two drives. Right, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was definitely you know frustrating because, you know, just watching it, I'm like, okay, this is the opportunity. They're going to, you know, just like how they had their opportunities the previous two uh, times they played Clemson, you know, they, they took advantage of those opportunities. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is, they got this opportunity. They're going to punch it in the end zone, you know, back-to-back turnovers. Like, this is it to, to make a competitive game because, you know, when you look at it, they really weren't, like, out of the game until really the midpoint of the fourth quarter when it just, you know, where the floodgates started to open up. But, you know, it was really – it was a close game, and they had their opportunities. You know, the defense put them in great positions, but it was just unfortunate and, you know, frustrating to watch that, you know, the, the offense couldn't get it clicking and uh, get some points on the board. And, Michael, I mean, you being a former offensive lineman – and, and obviously, you know, someone who has worked opportunities outside of Syracuse and had your opportunities at Syracuse. You know, we came into this season and uh, Aaron Service and I spoke, you know, a couple weeks before the season started from camp. And he said to me, you know, I said, are you playing center? And he said, no, I'm kind of playing all over the place. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean? You know, are there are there set guys? And he said, no, we're kind of all playing every position because they don't know exactly you know, where they want us yet. So we're kind of all just kind of all over the place. And we've seen that in the first three weeks here that, you know, you look at the depth chart and it'll say, you know, Aaron Service could be center or it could be Sam Heckle. And then the right tackle could be the left tackle. The left could be the right, you know, even on the depth chart for the game itself, it said center, Sam Heckle or Aaron Service, left tackle, Aaron Service or Carlos Vettorello, right tackle, Carlos Vettorello or Ryan Alexander. Evan Adams is, is you know, kind of grandpa on this. You know, he's the one with the most experience, and he's at left guard. And Dakota Davis and Patrick Davis are on the side of right guard where Evan had been for such a long time. You know, being a former offensive lineman for you, to see that there's a bunch of oars on the depth chart and there's no, like, this is our starter at that position, that, that, w- that was a big red flag for me, just to go into kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, a, a red flag as well, um, you know, just especially hearing about it, you know, me and my uh, buddy Tyler Morona, we actually, we discussed it, you know, too, leading up to the season, you know, the biggest concern would probably be the offensive line, and, you know, it's good to, you know, have, you know, guys, be, you know, in, in crossover positions, being able to play everything across the line, but however, towards, you know, the end of camp, you know, the end of a couple of weeks of camp, you do want to start gelling so everyone can, you know, know how the guy next to them plays or whatnot, you know, so you can get ready for those, you know, upcoming games because, you know, the chemistry is going to be important. And, you know, like I said, when you see on the depth chart, it's kind of like, you know, from the outside in, you know, you don't know who's going to who's gonna start or who's going to play. And that's, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, not too far off, you know, for the players and, and the coaching staff trying to figure out and plug the pieces, you know, which, which fit. And, you know, that's not something that you typically want to be doing. Um, you know, at this point of the season, you know, the third game, you know, and, you know, so it's not the best look, but I mean, you know, hopefully they can kind of turn things around and get things, you know, clicking uh, as soon as possible. 
Absolutely. And speaking here with Michael Lasker, Jr., Syracuse football alum, a former offensive lineman on the team. And shout out to Devontae McFarlane, a former running back for Syracuse that has joined the broadcast. And thank you to all of the former Syracuse players that find their way to wake up call. It means a lot to us here inside of the Charney's Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios. So, Michael, what have you seen from the line in the first few weeks here? I mean, you play, You were one of the bookends on the line, and, and we still don't know who the bookends are at this point at left and right tackle. What are you seeing at, at this point three games in? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, see, I, do see, I see a lot of fight. You know, I love the way they're fighting, you know, and competing every snap. Um, there, there does seem like they're, they're not, they're not playing, um, freely. I would say it doesn't look like they're playing freely. It doesn't look like they're playing, you know, they're just kind of second guessing themselves and their technique, just what it looks like, you know, from, from, from a perspective of watching it. Um, you know, but I think that, uh, and I think, I don't know, for whatever reason, the offense doesn't look as fast as the, you know, previous three years. Um, I'm not sure if it's because there's just a lot of new pieces to the offense as far as, you know, players concerning and you know you know Tommy DeVito is obviously you know new so you know first year starter so I don't know but I mean it's it, like I said as far as the offensive line you know what I'm seeing it's kind of it's kind of difficult at watch at times because you see you know some of the technique things that they can clean up but it just doesn't seem like they're they're playing with, a, with that swagger that I'm, I, I saw the last couple of seasons and you know that that confidence yeah you know and, and that's the thing is it's going to take time and the unfortunate part of this is that fans saw ten and three last year after after two just tough season, just rough rough go at it. You know, you look at three and nine, four and eight, four and eight, four and eight, and then it was ten and three. So fans came into the season saying we're definitely going to win nine games, definitely going to win ten games, definitely going to happen. We're going to get an awesome bowl game. It's going to be amazing. And I said, okay, well, Dungey's not here anymore. Tommy's taken over. Tommy is a different quarterback, and every quarterback, every player, you know, you got to gel. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't look amazing in all of his games as a true freshman. So, you know, it takes time to kind of gel and find your place on the team. So I said, you have to give Tommy some time. This offensive line doesn't know who's going to go where right now, and that's confusing, and that's going to cause them to have the opposite of chemistry, which is kind of chaos. And then the linebacker core over the last two years has lost a lot of veterans. So these are three key areas. I want to start with Tommy, though, after we talked about the offensive line here. Fans love the heck out of him, want him to do great, think he's a phenom, think that he's going to be this amazing player. And now three games in, they're throwing stuff, they're screaming, they're yelling. And I can't tell you how many people have asked me for, you know, can, can we have the head of Tommy DeVito what can you say about that? I mean, I feel like this this man, I mean, granted, you know, there's been a lot of issues offensively, but he's only been the true starter for just a few games here. And I don't know, had to play the number one team in the nation reigning champion this past week. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Tommy DeVito? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like I like Tommy DeVito a lot. You know, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, fans have to understand that, you know, he's not Eric Dungy. You know, he's a totally different quarterback. You know, they're two different, have two different styles, you know, um, and they got to, they have to give it some time to understand that really this is his first, you know, three starts in, you know, this is the first time really controlling the offense. You know, it's different, you know, coming in to relieve Dungy if he's banged up or, you know, Coach Babers wanted to give him, you know, a few a few series just to, you know, talk to him so, he can, so Dungy can get his mind right or whatnot. But they have to 
understand that, you know, these are two different quarterbacks and Tommy, um, you know, is more of like a, you know, a pocket passer. So versus what Eric, you know, if the pocket starts to collapse, Eric will just roll out and throw on the run or just take off and run 15 to 20 yards. Yeah. But I don't think that that's, you know, that's Tommy's style. So I think, you know, fans and just, you know, they have to relax and calm and calm down and understand that they're two different quarterbacks and you can't, you know, jump the ship on Tommy because he's still really young. You know, when you think about it, you know, Eric, you know, he he was young he was young too, but the offense was just so different. You know, the offense was, you know, it was slow. You had a lot of time to think. Uh, you know how to you had a veteran offensive line when he was uh, you know, a, a, a you know, a freshman playing. So I think they, they gotta, you know, cut Tommy some slack, you know, and understand that he's still growing and developing as a quarterback. And plus, you know, you are playing the number one team in the nation and their defense was just you know, lights out. I mean, they were just had some exotic blitzes and pressures. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to like figure out, you know, where the pressure is coming from. Just you know, as a fan, you know, watching it, you know, thinking about okay, the best ways to block this or yeah, or something. But you know, you just you really can't, you know, put it all on on Tommy as a quarterback right now. No, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly here. And and the unfortunate part is, you know, he's he's taken a lot of this and. And, and having to hear all this. But here's here's my other piece of this. They recruit Tommy DeVito, right? So coach brings him in. Dino Babers thinks that, you know, this is a guy that can help them out, help their offense, and move the team forward. Tommy, as you talked about, and, and as I agree with, he is a pocket passer. He's a guy who is not, you know, he's not one to run. I, I, think, I, I think he'd run on the 10th option. But he doesn't want to run on that first option, so or the second one. And there was a play against Maryland that really, really, really stuck out to me. And he, Tommy, had rolled out right, and there was a gap in the line, and he could have darted forward. And where Dungy would have taken that lane and just attacked the defense, Tommy ran out of bounds. And so it, it shows you that difference. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's different style of passers, but is this offense? being sped up and needing to go fast, go fast, go fast, go fast. Now you have running backs that can be more traditional that you can hand the ball off to that can ground and pound and run the clock, I would like to think. And you have a quarterback who can drop back and utilize his arm and his talents there. So is this is this a Tommy problem or is this maybe Dino having to talk with Mike Lynch and go, maybe we should just use utilize our players because there's the guys that have the plan you know this is our system this is what we run this is what we do but the system of going fast 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 doesn't seem to make a lot of sense with a strong backfield and a pocket passer so is this maybe uh hey dino slow it down and you know use the you know use the team's advantages of their talent and not try to force them to be a square peg in a round hole right and and i think that's probably a big reason i think the coaches are starting to realize you know what type of you know what type of, of offense and what type of players they have and i think they're kind of working that around the offense i think that's why we're not seeing the offense go as fast as we're used you know we, we did in the previous three years so like i said when you typically when you have a strong backfield and more of a pocket passer things kind of do tend to slow down and you know i think that's the good thing about this offense because they, it has the ability to, you know, you can still slow it down, you know, do a sugar type of huddle, and then you can ramp it up, you know, when 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 the, when the offense gets going, you know, when when Tommy wants to go fast, when he can just get some quick, you know, 
sideline passes. Um, you know, th- I think that that is the biggest thing, and I think that I don't necessarily think that you know Coach Babers and uh, you know Coach Lynch are doing anything you know wrong. I think that they're just understanding. Okay, this is this is the pieces too we have. This is the pieces we have. This is how we're gonna um, use it to our advantage, and we're just gonna slow things down just a little bit, and then we can ramp it up at any time once things get going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think you know you can't you can't force the system. It's just you know people like seeing Syracuse go fast, and there's success when Syracuse goes fast, but. When you don't have a running quarterback or someone who's going to necessarily utilize the option, it, it I mean, it just feels like Tommy is a guy who has to slow down. And, and you know, Jarvion Howard and, and Mo Neal, and it seems like these are the guys that, you know, want, and Abdul Adams, that if we handed the ball off a little bit more and let them get four yards and let them get seven and then let them go. I mean, you look at what Clemson did. It's like, okay, you gave it, you give it to Travis Etienne, Then you give it to Lynn J. Dixon. You keep, you know, you keep utilizing that. We know how Boston college does it. It might be boring. It might be slow to some people, but at the end of the day, if you get in the end zone, who the heck cares? So I, I just, you know what I mean? I, I just, I feel like the talent of this team is being forced to, I mean, Jawar Jordan Jr., who's a true freshman running back, he could fit in this because he's got a ton of speed. He fits that. Sean Riley can fit that. Nikeem Johnson can fit that. But it's it's almost a clashing of systems, having players that can systematically wear you down and then having players that can run all over you. And I think that you have to build your offense around the talent of your team as opposed to telling Tommy DeVito to be something that he isn't. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I totally agree because you know. And another thing that that what I was thinking about, you know, I think there. I know you know uh, Tristan Jackson. You know, he seems to be the, the big target this year. You know, obviously, you know, my senior year it was Amba, and then you know Steve Ishmael, and then Jamal Custis. I think that you know, and like I said, Dungey had those safety blankets where he knew that if if something was going on, he can just they would bail him out. He can throw it up, and they would make a play. And I think that they're still you know. Tommy and he's you know he's trying to find that go-to receiver. I know he likes to say you know we like to spread it all spread it out a lot, but in the back of your mind as a quarterback, I'm sure it's comforting to know you have that safety blanket and you know you can toss it up to you know that receiver and you know he's going to come down and make a play and, and help you out. So I think that's uh, you know an- another thing that's kind of missing right now. I think it's uh, just trying to find who who that safety blanket is um, this season. And I think, you know, like I said, once they once they get that and kind of just work to their advantages and the coaching staff, like I said, I'm sure the coaching staff is going to do a, a great job of putting together a plan, you know, uh, for this upcoming week yeah. to just try to, try to you know, to work to their strengths and not trying to, you know, just go super fast because, like I said, Tommy is new in the system, you know, I mean, a new starter, you know, and I know he's been in the system, but like I said, it's different being a backup to being, you know, a, a starter full-time. Right. You know, and I think that you can try and make somebody into something, but they are who they are and his talents are his talents. So, you know, for me, it would be nice to see. And I and again, I know that it's, you know, going fast, going fast, going fast. That's Dino. But seeing Tommy and his ability to drop back and, and launch the ball and and, you know, throw a 60 yard pass on his you know first attempt. And not only that, but the fact that there are a bunch of guys in the backfield, and Syracuse built their hay on being RBU. 
Joe Morris, you know, to Jim Brown and Ernie Davis and Floyd Little and Rob Drummond and Michael Owens, and the list goes on and on. I mean, the last time Syracuse had a 1,000-yard rusher was Jerome Smith, and that was back in Marone time. So, you know, it, it's been a long time for that. And But again, I think that running the ball and passing the ball all come back to the offensive line, which is obviously, you know, why a big reason why I really wanted to get your opinion, Michael, outside of the fact that I love having you on the show in general, is that this offensive line took last season the success of a 10 and 3 team. That offensive line took like four or five years to build. That was like trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. And and now, you know, it's like Carlos Vetterello is a redshirt freshman, so he hasn't played. Ryan Alexander transfers over. Aaron Service has played in, in multiple different places on the line. You know, Darius Tisdale is new is new out here relatively. Dakota Davis and Patrick Davis have neither of them have been leaned on. Sam Heckel is somebody who has been the center and then been moved out of that. So, you know, outside of Evan Adams, there's really nobody that you can key in on of those five guys and say, okay, well, just like you said with, with wide receivers, we can lean on this guy. Tommy knows that he can always maybe shift to the right or shift to the left because that's the stronger part of the line. We don't know where the stronger part of the line is right now, and it's no offense to the linemen. It's no knock on them. I appreciate them all, and I love talking to all of them, and I want nothing but the best for them. It's just an honest assessment that there is no place on the line that really feels safe right now for the quarterback or to find a lane for the running back. Right, yeah, and, and you know, and that's that's the thing, you know, that it, it, like you said, it, when you have a you know an inexperienced you know offensive line, you know, I mean, I know you know you know, like service has you know a numerous amounts of starts and Evan Adams, but you know, like I said, both tackles, you know, obviously though know, Varello, you know, it's you know he's still young too, you know, like Coach Babers always says, you know, he's still a baby, you know, he still has to, you know, he's going against twenty two year olds, and and that's what it was like, you know, if, I mean, three four years ago, you know, when uh. You know, my senior year, our offensive line, you know, it's it's struggled, but you know, we did have you know veterans on the line as well. But like I said, Dungey could overcome that because he could just you know make things happen. And you know, it, it it's tough right now on, uh, because, like I said, I think the biggest thing is just gelling. Yeah. And you know, when you have a lot of young guys and you're kind of like hesitant or you don't know where you're gonna play, it's kind of a you know it kind of messes up the uh, you know the chemistry. And, you know, I think that that's just one of the biggest things right now that they're going to have to overcome, you know, kind of in, in a hurry because, you know, the games are one loss on the O-line and the D-line. You know, it's just, it's, it, you know, it, it is what it is. That's just what it is. And I think that, you know, they're going to have to rely heavily on the offensive line. So the offensive line is going to have to click as soon as possible, you know, to, uh, to get the job done this season. Absolutely. As we speak here with Michael Lasker, junior, former offensive lineman for the Syracuse Orange, speaking on the team. So, you know, for the fans that that are inevitably uh, frustrated, upset, you know, you've been through it. You've seen you've seen Fairweather fans at Syracuse. You've seen fans that are with you no matter what. What is your thoughts to the fan base? What's your advice? I mean, the third lar- largest crowd in Syracuse football dome history with over 50,000 people at this game obviously showed up. And shout out to showing up Kyle McIntosh, who's a good friend of mine as well, who's showed up this morning to listen in, another Syracuse alum at the running back position. So, you know, we look at 
the fact that the 50,000 people showed up, 50,000 plus. And so that's great. And there's 9,000 plus new season ticket holders. And so the fans are coming back because there's a good season. There are some fans that as soon as there's any moment of strife, when's basketball season? I'm over this. I hate this. We're, you know, programs back five years, da, 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 da. What are, what are your words to the fan base? Because they're finally buying tickets again, but they're only giving Syracuse about 13 seconds to make it right. Right, exactly. You know, my, the biggest thing, I, the message I would say to the fans is just, you know, don't don't bail out yet. You know, keep keep that support coming. You know, obviously, I don't know if it'll be a sellout every home game, but keep it as close as that as possible. You know, keep keep the support up. You know, when it's just it's just it's just one game. You know, they only have two losses so far. You know, they still have a long season to go, and I think they could still have a great season. I think they can accomplish a lot of the goals that they still you know have. So they have to keep that in mind, and they just have to understand. You know, keep supporting. You know, when you look at other, you know. Other schools, you know, like the when they're struggling, like Florida State, you know, they still their their fan base, you know, they still they still come and support, you know, Tennessee, they're they're off to a shaky start. Their fan base will still come and support, and I think that that's the biggest thing. You you just you can't you got to understand there's going to be growing pains. Each season is different, so like I said, just keep supporting, keep coming to the games, you know, keep just have that. You need to have that same atmosphere, same atmosphere because the dome. It's a very, you know, difficult place to play, you know, especially for the opponents, you know, just, you know, being on the sideline and playing the games, it's a, it's a great atmosphere. And if the fan, the fans make it loud, you know, especially on third down for the defense. And then when the offense scores, you know, it's just an in between, you know, series, the, the fans make it happen and, and give the players the extra juice to, you know, to kind of, um, you know, get it going. So just, you know, don't count this team out, you know, keep coming, keep supporting. And I think, you know, you know that, that that's really the the message I have because we we can't lose. They can't just bail out off of you know one you know one game and you know the Maryland game. You know that it, it that happened. You know I mean Maryland lost to Temple, so you know it's just every team is beatable. I feel this year, so you know just keep supporting and, and you know keep coming to the games. Absolutely, and and, and Michael, in closing here. Uh, thoughts to the offensive line as, as they try to figure things out. The staff tries to see where people fit the best. Uh, the players continue to practice and look for, for their place in it. What's your message to the offensive linemen? Because, you know, it's built in the trenches. And, and for whatever reason in the history of, of you know, what I've seen with sports and, and, and what I've seen specifically with football, it's on the coach and it's on, I mean, you look at basketball and, it, you know, sometimes it's on the coach and the point guard, which is like the coach and the quarterback, but not always anymore. But in the sport of football, it's the quarterback and the head coach. If the team plays well, they're amazing. Give them a pay raise, keep them in, do this, do that for them. If it's not great, well, then get rid of them and they're garbage and they were never good and I don't care what they did last year. So, you know, we don't talk enough about the offensive line and the fact that it's built in the trenches. Tim Green comes back, gets his jersey retired. The coach that was with him, George O'Leary, a coach that I got to sit down with when he was the coach of UCF a few seasons back. And he said to me, Dan, you build teams in the trenches. Any coach who doesn't understand that you have to build up your offensive line and defensive line and recruit that and make that right first is never going to be successful and never going to win a championship because games are won from the trenches from the inside out. What's your advice to the offensive line now? Yeah, 
my, you know, my advice for the offensive line is, you know, first of all, you know, I, I love those guys. I'm an offensive line myself. You know, I, you know, I, I met pretty much, you know, all of them except for, uh, you know, both both tackles. And you know, I, you know, especially you know, no service and, and Evan Adams. And I know they're, they're, you know, they're the veterans of the group. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna get it. You know, leave the young young guys and the new transfers. But as an offensive lineman, you already know and understand you're gonna be the first person to get blamed and the last person to get praised. It just, it is what it is. You know, it's like that at any level. So I think they just have to keep sticking together. You know, keep believing and keep having faith. And, and you know, and, and at times when you watch the film. A lot of the times, it's not even the offensive line's fault. You know, to the naked eye, it looks like that. But to a to a, like a football player and especially an offensive lineman and a coach, there could be numerous things. A running back could have broke down in protection. You know, a running a, a receiver could have ran the wrong route. Quarterback could have had the wrong read. And in an offense like this, where the you know with the ball, sometimes you want to get it out quick. You know, an offensive lineman could expect that and you know get beat because you're thinking the ball's going to get out quicker. And then gives up a sack, and all of the time, and you know, a lot of the times it may not just be the offensive lineman's fault. So I think you got to take some of the offensive line play uh, with a grain of salt and understand that it's always not on them. So, like I said, I-, I love those guys. I think you know, just keep being strong. You know, keep the technique and the fundamentals, and uh, just play with that swagger and play with confidence. And I think that uh, you know, game come game five, six, seven, you know, I think that you're going to see a different offensive line play and uh, things are going to be gelled together and uh, they're going to be playing with a lot more confidence right uh, than they are now that coming from michael lasker jr it all takes time especially on both of those lines and people need to remember that michael is is always i i appreciate it i thank you for being a part of the show i thank you for your kind words at the beginning of the show and and i look forward to having you back on very soon Thank you again. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, I'll be watching again or and, and listening uh, tomorrow morning. Again, thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. All right, man. God bless. I'll talk to you. Thank you, too. God bless. Take care. That coming from Michael Asker once again, and very, very, very kind and, and very kind words this morning from Michael. So thank you so much, sir. I uh, I appreciate it. I really do. So it, 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 mean, it means a lot, you know. It's, it's, it's good to know that's that uh, people are listening and, and watching because, you, you know, you do this show in hopes that you can create a positive message and and bring people together. Listen, whether Syracuse wins or loses, we're still going to be here to do this show. We're still going to promote these kids. We're still going to talk about them. And when there's struggles and there's critiques and there's constructive criticism on this show, I can't speak for anything else, but on this show and with Dan Tortora Broadcast Media in general and WakeUpCallDT.com, there are no personal attacks. There's no hatred. Yes, I've used Antonio Brown as an example, and I've talked about the fact that the way he's acting is is idiotic and crazy and wrong, but I don't wish bad on him. I don't wish bad on this offensive line. I don't think that Tommy DeVito is, is, is what people are saying out there. I look at this and I say to myself, how can you approach a show where you have to talk about other people and how would I want them to talk about me? Would I want them to go out there and go, oh, well, he's this broadcaster and he's that? No, but I got to bring it every day. Okay. I got to bring it every day. And sometimes I might mispronounce a name and sometimes I might start the show a few minutes late and sometimes I might do this wrong or do that wrong. But at the end of the day, I can control what I can control and people's opinions of you in this day and age, everybody's got an opinion about everything. So please know that on this show and always on this show, and everything that we do at Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, that is with utmost respect and appreciation for human life. 
So if I criticize the offensive line or I criticize Tommy DeVito's play or I criticize the team or I ask a question to Dino because I don't understand this, it's never a personal attack. It's never a hope for bad. And it is absolutely positively never negativity going towards somebody else. I want to see this Syracuse team kick some tail. I want these fans to show up 50,000 strong every game. This is my city, and I care about my city. So don't give up on your team. We can talk constructively, but we will never disrespect. So for those of you that are swearing and yelling and saying really horrible things about these players, please stop because their parents are watching, they're listening, they can see it, their brothers, their sisters, their significant others. Remember that they're people too. And remember that they're trying really hard. And I know you want them to win. And like I said, we can constructively criticize. We can constructively talk about the team. But we will not disrespect other people. Because I wouldn't want them to do that to me. Or to you.